0: Hi, and welcome to Finding Drishti Podcast. I'm Terry Cohen. This episode comes from a month long workshop series diving deeper into the latter six limbs of Patanjali's eight limb yogic path. If you missed the previous series covering the first two limbs, yamas and niyamas, you can find those recordings in episodes two, four, six, and eight of season one. Let's start with just some seated meditation to begin. So get yourself comfortable. If you want a little bit of propping, a little bit of lift, feel free to add blanket bolster underneath or a block. And we'll just rest the hands on top of the legs. Roll your shoulders back and behind. Get to your place where you can sit up really tall. And then allow whatever is connecting into the floor to really root down. So We'll take an easy pranayama here, just a gentle inhale. Brief pause at the top. Exhale all the way out. Retain the breath at the bottom. Slow inhale. Hold it at the top. Slow exhale. Hold it at the bottom. Just keep working with your pace of breath. And if you find that the uh, retention at the top and the bottom start to make you feel a little panicky, you can take a normal inhale, a normal exhale, and then try to come back into it when you're ready. Take two more full rounds of breath. when you finish your full rounds of breath, just come back to a normal breathing pattern in and out of the nose. And staying with the sensations that you're experiencing in your body, just notice where you felt the most anxious as you were working through that breathing pattern, maybe where you were holding tension in the body what parts felt the easiest to you? Where did your mind go as you were working through your breath? And how your nervous system reacts to a different breath pattern? And then let's flutter the eyes open. So when we first talked about this yogic path, whether you were here for the first session or not, I'll go through the review anyway. So our first couple limbs, our yamas, our niyamas—these are actions, right—that we take either in how we behave toward other people, or how we um, change behaviors in our own lives, and how we treat ourselves. And then our asana, we are very familiar with asana. That's what all of our physical practice is about. And our pranayama is our breath work. right? So those four first limbs, those kind of work as tapas, right? The the work that we do, our passion for our practice and bringing that into action. So that's just starting to work kind of from the surface level. And then as we start to go inward, we talked about pratyahara, which is sensory withdrawal, starting to take... Any distractions out of your way, um, giving you a place where light isn't bothering you, sound, your space is clear. We've practiced some saucha, some cleanliness, and then we start to get into dharana, right? Our concentration. So these next two lens, pratyahara and dharana, those can be kind of bucketed under Svadhyaya, which is self-study, right? So we went kind of from the outside surface, here's how we treat other people, how we treat ourselves, starting to go inward to what we're feeling in our bodies and in our breath, and now we're starting to go mentally more inward, spiritually more inward. So when we get to these last two, Dhyana, our meditation, where concentration is so focused and it's sustained that it should become more effortless, right? And there's a lot of practice that we have to do so that our concentration doesn't keep getting pulled away. When we get into our meditation and to this final one, samadhi, pure consciousness, these last two uh, really touch on ishvara pranidhana, which is actually one of our niyamas, and that is surrender. You take yourself out of the picture where you are no longer focused on the things that have been kind of on the surface of who you are, right? Your ego, your pride, what you feel like other people see in you, right? We kind of take that part of ourselves and we set it aside and go, we are so deep inside of ourselves to try to find our inner truth that there's a connection to this source of energy that exists in the world. So it's this kind of interconnectedness all the way through all the layers of ourselves and with all other beings. So let me read you a little passage here um, that helps us understand our dhyana, right? Our meditation from last week that we had talked about. So it says, Dhyana is a place where action and insight become one. When we are in this state of sustained focus and flow, the action of attention and the insight gained from a detached observation occur simultaneously. Here in this timeless still point, we grow up. In the presence of the real, of truth, we are no longer interested in our constructed personalities. So our constructive personalities, this is that surface level stuff, right? How social media we feel like we need to put on a show, that we feel like we have this image to uphold. And then last week we also talked about our samskaras. So our samskaras are these behavioral patterns that we have in our lives. And the more you do the exact same pattern you're triggered, those grooves get even deeper. Well, most of the patterns that we have in our lives are probably not the most healthy for us, right? You think about when you get triggered for anger. Somebody says something and it's somebody who says it all the time to you, right? Or it's a situation where, you know, you feel like you have no control and something snaps and your immediate reaction is always frustration or anxiety or getting like really worked up, right? So we have these cyclical patterns that happen and the only way to break them from our kind of constructed personality is to first recognize them. And you can't recognize them when we're always living on the surface, when we're always living on superficial things. Right? So we start to peel these layers away. We go, yeah, you know, we don't need to hoard as much anymore. I feel angry all the time. Let's pull this stuff away. And we start to get inward and, inward and inward and inward and inward and inward to where we can get to this place of dhyana, our meditation. And when we get to our state of meditation, we start to connect into that source of flow, right? Where we are connected to another energy. And I'll give you a couple more definitions as we move along our way. Um, But I want to touch on one more thing that we had discussed last week also, samyama. So samyama is this kind of flow between these last three limbs, from our dharana, our concentration, dhyana, meditation, to the samadhi, this kind of pure consciousness. And so you can kind of think of these three grouped together as this kind of journey. And it's not always linear. It's not like, oh, I am concentrating now. Ooh, I feel like I've moved into meditation. I'm gonna stay there, and now I'm in samadhi. It's kind of fluid. It's a little gray in between. You might feel moments of meditation, and something pulls you away, and go, okay, I need to refocus and get concentrated again. And then you might fall back into meditation. Then you might feel like a moment of, oh, I feel a lot of energy connection in samadhi, and then something pulls you back. So it's really fluid, it's not like, one stage, and then you stair step, and then you're on that stage, and then you stair step. It's kind of like a sliding scale, right? So we can kind of feel like these three are not so much like posts that you are, it's just kind of blended in between. Okay, So we're always moving between these three things. So a lot of this work that we're doing, where we talk about this outside-in process, is teaching us how to let go of everything that has held us back from being able to connect into this pure energy that exists. So we sometimes talk about samadhi as um, ecstatic bliss, is sometimes what you'll hear. And I had to do some thinking about the word ecstatic. Because usually when we think ecstatic, we think like, yay, ecstatic, right? We're so happy. Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. But when we go to a place where they might be doing ecstatic dance, I don't know if anybody's been to an ecstatic dance party. Anybody here? No, okay, so I went to a retreat, and they're like, we're gonna have ecstatic dance on Friday night. My dancing is more like head bopping, right? (laughs) Ecstatic dance is meant to be, you are so immersed in the energy in the room and the music that you let go of all of your inhibitions where people are doing like, animalistic moves and there's no right or wrong way about it and I remember when I walked into that ecstatic dance party I was like I feel so awkward because my dance moves are still probably from junior high right (laughs) or maybe you you start to feel like okay I know this one from like the 90s right this still feels cool right and everyone else who has been to ecstatic dance parties before like It's very kind of hippie and weird, but it's connecting into the energy of the room, the energy of other people, and just feeling the music through you. So if you can kind of take yourself out of your own self-consciousness, if you were to arrive at an ecstatic dance party and you start to let go of like, okay, this is an okay dance to do, to like, okay, Okay, maybe if I just close my eyes, like nobody knows what I'm doing. I'll just do like a yoga pose in here too, sure. Like it's a free-for-all. And it's a little bit of what we're trying to touch on with samadhi. Samadhi is trying to tap into that energy space. To where you lose a sense of yourself, right? There's that letting go of your ego and your pride and your self-consciousness and whether you look cool or not or if you know how you even know how to use your body. To you are so internal that you might just feel a flow of energy through you. So another example that might help you understand this is um, an artist, right? And I'm a pianist from my training, but I'm like an in-the-box pianist. You think of like a jazz pianist, right? An artist who can take their medium, and where they are no longer the performer or the creator, but things start to come out of them, right? You see like a painter where they don't even know that anybody else exists, and they're just fully in their flow. And they could be in a studio for hours and hours and hours, just working and creating, and there's no inhibition. There's no, you have to use this color. You have to work within these lines. And again, I don't know, maybe they had some really cool stuff in the 60s that allowed for that kind of flow to happen. I feel like we don't have as much of that these days. We're so like, I need to show my creativity in a certain way, but that idea of letting something move through you without feeling like you're forcing it. So let me read you one more passage that helps kind of touch into that. So this is trying to get into Samadhi. It says, this final moment in the eight limbs of yoga is about allowing grace to happen. Not hoping for it to happen. Not trying hard to let it happen. Not believing that one day it will happen. This final moment is about letting it happen. It is about shining and who are we not to shine. Right. So, a lot of times we, as beginners, right, we think about the first time you came into your practice. As a beginner, you were very self conscious. Am I putting my hands correctly? Oh my God, the teacher's walking by. She's going to correct me. Oh, I'm doing this terribly. Oh, the person next to me is doing something different. I don't know if I'm doing this right, right? You feel a lot of this kind of held in, and you feel very aware of the surface, right? So, that's kind of the beginner stage where we're trying to force things to happen. We're trying to force our practice to happen and we're kind of willing things to happen. But over time the practice teaches us to release. Right? You most of you guys I've seen you guys in class before. So you start to feel a little less self-conscious whether you're sitting correctly, right? You might still modify and still make some adjustments, right? You feel like, "Oh, I'm starting to slump." And you'll I'll notice you p- picking up your shoulders, right? And readjusting your posture. But you'll find the more that you practice, Everybody else's practice becomes background, right? They just become energy in the room. And you might just feel whether the energy of the room is kind of lifted up, right? We get to part of the physical practice that's a little bit more like we're balancing, we're playing, we're moving through our flow. And then it might fall back into, everyone feels a little self-conscious because we've tried a new pose that doesn't feel as stable, right? But this practice, is. Uh, the longer that we do it, the less we're on the surface of ourselves, and the more you can come into the center to where this energy flow is happening, right? And that's also pranayama, prana being energy. So, this controlled energy that we use with our breath can affect the energy in the room, right? We did a little bit of Tonglin meditation last week, right? But feeling like our inhales were drawing in somebody's suffering, we use our breath to transform it, and you exhale compassion, understanding, positivity, whatever it is. So we have the power to affect change of energy using our breath. And so all of these things come into play as we start to work inward and inward and inward and we feel moments of concentration, right? That sustained focus. We feel moments of meditation where That focus is so effortless. We're we're in it that we can just kind of drop into it without forcing meditation and concentration to happen. And then you might feel little moments of ecstatic bliss. And they'll come in little moments. It's really hard to sustain. I feel like you'd have to be on some really good drugs or something. I think that's how people forced that ecstatic feeling in the 60s. But you might feel little moments of ecstatic bliss. And that might happen in meditation. That might happen in your physical practice. That might happen when you're reading a book and you're so deep into it and you're just flowing with the story. Or if you're in the middle of creating or you're in the middle of a project and you feel that energy flow through you. So it can happen in all different ways. And it's kind of cool when we notice it. And of course, as soon as you notice it, you've pulled yourself out of it. And you've kind of been out of the moment. And then you have to kind of work your way back in. So that's that samyama again, going from our concentration meditation to samadhi. So we're gonna play a little bit with that today using um, yoga nidra. And if you haven't done yoga nidra before, it's yogic sleep. It's gonna be a very deep meditation. um, And we'll kind of feel the layers of yourself letting go and hopefully getting into that kind of deep sleep state where everything is just fully connected. Uh, But before we do that, we'll move our bodies. Does anybody have questions from the last few weeks? I know there's so many different terms, so many different kind of groupings of concepts. And that's okay if you don't have questions now. They might pop up once we start moving our bodies a little. Okay. Let's set up for child's pose. Go ahead and clear your mat. Set up for child's pose. You can use a blanket underneath and Today's flow will be really easy. It's mostly just to prepare our bodies for um, a nice relaxed yoga nidra. But take up space here. If your knees are wide, take them really wide. Let your belly hang between. If you want to keep your knees together and round into the spine, really allow your body to round and reach the hands back toward the feet. Feel your head into the floor. Notice where in your body you're still feeling a little tight, like you're still resisting. And add a little bit of movement there. So it might be a little rocking of the head side to side. It might be a little shift through the hips. What tap to those long inhales through the nose. Long exhales out the nose. Allow your body to melt down into the floor. Relax the shoulders a little more. Let the elbows fall into the ground. Feel for how your body moves with each breath. A little puffing up in the back body, maybe the belly dropping down between the thighs, and then as you exhale, feel that contraction back into the center. If you tend to hold your tension in your jaw, maybe open and close the mouth a few times. Maybe move the jaw side to side. Take five more deep breaths here. Take your child's pose for a twist. If you have your arms reaching back, go ahead and reach them forward. Start to slide your right arm underneath your left armpit until your right ear and your shoulder melt into the floor. Make any adjustments that you need from here. You might keep that left arm reaching long. You might wrap it behind the low back. You might use your left hand to push your right hand away. Notice the physical sensations in the back body, around the shoulders, as the twist moves through the upper back. Take three more deep breaths in. ready, we'll release the right arm out from underneath. Go ahead and switch sides. Slide your left arm through, find your twist in the upper back, settle back into the floor. Any other options that you want to take with that right arm, feel free to take them here. Three more deep breaths in. And then slide your left arm out from underneath. Take a few breaths here in center. How does your side body feel? Either side. Whichever side feels tighter, take a lateral stretch to open that side. So if your right side is feeling tighter, you're going to move your hands to the left. If your left side is feeling tighter, move your hands to the right. Be here for about five more breaths. And you might feel that side start to open a little more and you might have room to walk those hands a little farther away. We'll bring the hands back through center and let's go to the other side. Give yourself as much space as you need through that side. We'll take about five more breaths here. And then walk your hands back through center, and let's rise up onto hands and knees. Move through a few rounds of Cat-Cow here. Feel free to keep the eyes closed, and feel free to add any extra movement that your body needs. And start to wake up the spine. See if you can feel for a little bit of space between each of your vertebrae. two more rounds of breath here. We'll come back to a neutral spine. You're gonna step your right foot back behind you and then spin the heel down. Swivel your left foot so that it sticks out to the left side of your mat. Good. Keep your left hand planted on the floor. You're going to open your right arm up to the sky. You might keep your right arm reaching up, or if you need more of a side stretch, you might take your right arm forward over your right ear. Put a little bit of weight in the outer edge of your right foot. We'll take two more breaths in. One more inhale. And bring your right hand back down, bring your left foot back in, and then bring your right foot back in. Okay. Go to the other side, step your left foot behind you, spin the heel down. Swivel your right foot off to the right side of your mats. When you're ready, left arm peels open, or if you want to take that side stretch. We'll take three more breaths here. And then we'll release your left hand back in. Turn your right foot back in, bring your left knee in. Okay, take Downward Facing Dog. Lift the hips, send it all the way back. Movement in the backs of the legs. And then we'll walk the hands all the way to the back of the mat till you're in a forward fold. Keep the knees really soft here. You can grab opposite elbows, ragdoll, sway side to side. If you need a little bit more of a neck stretch, maybe lacing fingers behind the head instead and allowing the weight of the arms to lengthen the neck. Two more breaths in. And then we'll release your hands back down. Keep your left finger pads or fingertips on the floor. You're going to bend into your left knee, keep your right leg straight, peel your right arm up to the sky, send your right hip up and behind. One more breath on this side. And then release your right hand down. You'll bend your left knee, straighten out your left leg, open left arm up. One more breath here. And then release your left hand down. Let's walk your hands all the way forward, back in our Downward Facing Dog. Lift your right heel high. We're gonna bend at the knee, open through the hip. And you might take some movement here, dropping that right knee down toward the left and just opening through that hip. Make sure you take circles in either direction if you are taking them today. And let's find a three-legged dog, re-extend your right leg high. Okay. Take an inhale here. And let step this right foot to the outside of your right hand. Good. Set your back knee down. If you want the pillow, sorry, the blanket underneath your foot. You know, feel free to add a little cushion maybe keeping some blocks toward the front. We're going to lower down, either onto forearms on a block or maybe forearms all the way to the floor. Or you could use that block underneath your head as a little headrest. You can put that block on any height that makes sense for you. And just soften into that right hip. Feel gravity assist in the stretch by pulling your hips down. We're not trying to force anything. We're just working with what our body's allowing. Two more breaths here. And then we'll come back onto the hands. Pick up your back knee, we'll take your right leg up to the sky, three-legged dog. One more deep stretch here, and then release your right foot down. Left heel high, three-legged dog. Bend at the knee, bring the heel toward the glute, roll the hip open. You want some movement here, feel free to take it. Make sure you go in either direction. We'll come back to a three-legged dog. Restraighten your left leg. Take an inhale here. Exhale, step this foot to the outside of your left hands. Set your back knee down. You find the height that works best for you. Use those blocks in any way that makes the most sense for propping, for a little lift or a little support under the head, perhaps. And these stretches don't have to be static. If you find that a little bit of movement feels better to allow you to access your hips and get into those spaces, feel free to take some movement. Take two more breaths here. And then we'll come back onto the hands. You'll pick up your back knee. Send your left leg high one more time. And then release your left foot down. Go ahead and come down to the knees. Let's find your blanket. We're gonna open it out. If you're really, Tall and long, you might need a bigger opening. Let's do it long ways on your mat, where we're all facing the mirror. And take your bolster with you and keep it in front. We're going to come into frog pose. So you'll start from a hands and knees position. Knees on this blanket, and then you're going to walk your knees out. And walk your knees out. Take your feet out at the same time. And you're gonna stop wherever your body goes. Yeah, no more. And you might use your bolster here. You might use a block under the bolster if you want a little bit of height. And we're basically just gonna. So your knees are going straight out from the hips. You're gonna take your feet out to about where your knees are pose pointing out to the sides. And then use that bolster, to relax into it. So this is one of those poses that takes a little bit of time to settle in. It's not the most comfortable pose because we don't open our hips like this often or ever. (laughs) Breathe deeply here. Nice long inhales, nice long exhales. Five more slow breaths in. From here, you're going to come back onto your hands. Easiest way to come out is you want to come forward a little. Good, and then just start to bring your knees back in toward each other. And if you want, you can turn back toward the front of the mat. Since we just opened our hips out this way, we're going to open them the other way. You'll so cross your right knee, and I'll mirror you guys. Right knee behind your left. I'm going to walk the feet out to the sides. And then from there, you're going to send your hips straight back. And there's the outer edges of your hips. Go only as far as your body tells you it's okay. If you start to feel like your body's swinging off to one side because it feels better, then you've probably gone back too far a little bit. So come back forward, readjust, and hick the hips straight back. Two more breaths here. And then rock back forward. Uncross the legs. You're going to take that right leg behind, foot on the ground. Just kind of wobble the heels side to side, get some movement through that hip. And then we'll set up on the other side. You'll take your left knee behind the right, walk your feet out. Press the weight of your hips straight back. One more inhale here, and then we'll come back forward, uncross the legs, step your left foot behind you, wobble the heels side to side, move through that hip. Let's find a comfortable cross-legged seat of your choice. We're going to find some eagle arms. So we'll take your left elbow underneath right. You're going to cross, and then try to wrap up toward the hands. If that's really hard for you, you have tight shoulders, then you'll grab opposite shoulders instead. We're going to lift those elbows off your chest, bring them to about shoulder height, and then relax your shoulders back down. Breathe into the back body. So you almost feel like your shoulder blades are pulling apart a little as your breath expands into the back of the ribs. Take one more breath here. Release the arms, take them wide. You might stay in cactus. If you want a little bit more, you might take the hands behind, lace the fingers. And then we'll get our eagle on the other side, right elbow under left, wrap up toward the hands. Get those elbows off your chest, lift them up to about shoulder height, relax your shoulder blades down. And one more breath here. And then release. And again, either cactus or if you want to take them behind, place your fingers opposite thumb on top. Okay, relax the arms. We're going to take a seated twist over to your right. So you're going to take your left hand across to your knee. Right hand goes behind you. Inhale, tall. Exhale, turn. Keeping your twist in the upper body, pick up your right hand and bring it to your right ear. And we're going to open your right elbow behind you. Good, now you've got a good grip of your left hand against that right knee. Start to drop your left ear to your left shoulder and your left shoulder down toward your left knee. So this is gonna open the right side body while still in a twist. One more breath in. Inhale to come all the way back up. Release out of your twist. Let's go to the other side. Right hand across, press yourself tall, inhale. Exhale, turn. Stay with the twist in the upper body. Pick up your left hand to the ear, open your left elbow behind you. Start to drop your right ear to your right shoulder, right shoulder down towards your right knee. One more breath in, and then come all the way back up. And release, okay. Find your seated meditation one more time. We'll close the eyes. We'll flutter the eyes open. Right. So, just have a few more little passages to share with you guys to help you better understand samadhi, and then I'll tell you a story. Right. So, we've got, I love this passage here. It says, Yoga teaches us how to enjoy life, how to work, and how to rest. Most of the forces in our lives telling us how to work and how to play have a vested interest in the outcome. The airlines want us to fly, the travel agents want us to travel, our bosses want us to work for less than they are paid. Yoga is indifferent. It's like a tree in the middle of a vast forest. It just is, and it is nothing. The information we encounter in yoga is our own. Yoga does not enhance us or diminish us, it simply reflects us back to ourselves as we are. One of the truths we discover in the mirror of yoga is that we are often unhappy and that most of the time there is something we can do about it. Right, I think we sometimes make yoga into this bigger thing than it's meant to be. Right? Yoga Journal wants us to do more yoga because then they can sell more magazines and the studios can sell you on this bigger image of what yoga can be. But yoga is exactly what we need it to be, which most of the time is just processing our lives, of learning how to not be stuck in the concepts of what the world wants us to be and instead finding the truth of ourselves. And sometimes that mirror of yoga is harsh, right? Sometimes we realize in the middle of our practice, in the middle of practicing yoga outside of our mats even, is they're really ugly parts of our lives. And um, I talk about this all the time, that my yoga is what keeps me from wanting to kill my kids <laughs> because I understand that I have samskaras being triggered by a tantrum by a child who doesn't understand how to be an adult yet. And I'm like, why don't you understand this? And I recognize that about myself. And my yoga is a perfect reflection of those ugly parts that I want to change, and that I want to fix, and that I want to let go of. Um, And it's not always just the ugly parts. Sometimes yoga shows us the most beautiful parts of ourselves that we have resilience and that we have strength in places that we didn't realize about ourselves. That you can make it through a difficult practice and not melt down or have a tantrum of your own. That happens sometimes. Sometimes you also have a practice where you are falling out of every balance and you want to throw a brick at the teacher, right? So all of those things come up during our yoga practice because our practice is showing us exactly who we are in that moment. The good and the bad and the ugly. So the story I want to share with you guys is my birth story of my child. And they're pretty similar for both kids. But I'll tell you for my first kiddo cuz that was my very first experience and I'll and this my yoga was so much part of my life by that point I had been practicing for about 4 years at that point and I never really understood more of this kind of esoteric right the more spiritual parts of the practice I had been kind of doing like the physical practice I was using my ujjayi breath while I was in labor I had my drishti point it was like a little plug on the back wall of the hospital bed and I'm trying to like breathe in and out to that one point and so I was crazy, and I didn't do an epidural. And I know most, most people who go to the hospital, they're like, you didn't get an epidural. It's like, I don't know. I'm crazy. I don't know. I, just feel, I don't just I want needles. And I remember clearly a point where I was so deep inside of myself and that you're just feeling these waves of pain. And they're not like pain like I'm hurt. Like it's a different pain from when you cut yourself. Or you get, you know, you bump something into something, you're gonna bruise. It's like a my body's working kind of pain. And there must have been, I don't know, 10 people in the room when things were getting really serious. We were getting right to the end. I lost count of who was in the room. I don't have pants on, right? I'm not just like open. I didn't even care anymore. I was just in my breath and trying to work one contraction at a time. And that was when I realized my breath had gotten me to the point of meditation. I was beyond concentration. I was in meditation. That breath was coming effortlessly. And I remember the nurse afterwards, she's like, I knew you could do this without an epidural because of your breath. And my breath was so regulated at that point, just staying with it, that by the time I was pushing that baby out, it was that ecstatic bliss. That was some samadhi for me. I was so connected and so ingrained in whatever was happening. I couldn't tell you the details of it. I couldn't tell you how many people were in the room. But I could tell you that um, I was kind of having an out of body, right? Pride, ego, all of that surface stuff didn't matter. The yoga, letting it happen, that was happening. I had to get out of the way. right? They, when they talk about in birthing classes that you can't just like bear down and force things, like let gravity do more of the work, right? And then your body is kicking in, it's doing its own thing. It's like, how do you grow a baby? I don't know. My body did it. I didn't have to do anything about it. I didn't have to put the effort of putting the cells together. You know, once the process starts, it's on a train, it's moving. So there are moments of that. And then I'll tell you the other. St- end of the story. So that was my birth story that I got to be a witness to. And then a death story. So my father died. We're coming up on four years this year. And uh, he was freshly 67. It was like a few days after his birthday. We got a call from my sister that um, dad collapsed. We're going to the ER. We don't know what's going on. So we all who are living in Austin, we Next morning, we all raced up to Dallas, and people don't often talk about death stories because I think there's a lot of fear of what, what the end of our lives, but I think it's an interesting parallel to a birth story because there's a similar energy. We were in the ICU and we had all made the decision. He had been, there was no coming back from it. He was vegetative state, basically. He was living on life support So the machines were doing all the work for him, and we had decided as a family, let's let him go. Let's let his suffering go. I don't want him to be stuck to these machines. This isn't the way he wanted to live. And again, I couldn't tell you how many people were in the hospital wing where we were. I couldn't tell you the details because it was so ingrained into just you were in it. You could feel the energy of it. And when that energy flows through you, we were just there with my dad and I don't know, my mom's doing her chanting, whatever Buddhist chanting it was. I think it was chanting to one of the, um, it's, not, it's not a Buddha, but it's like some other kind of enlightened being. So she's doing her chanting and we're just holding his hands. We've got hands you know, around the hospital bed and we're just breathing his last few breaths with him. And again, that, that was Samadhi. That's not bliss. <laughs> I can assure you death is not bliss from the living standpoint, but it was ecstatic. It was samadhi in the sense that there was a flow of energy, that there was this interconnectedness that happened, that you had no longer your pride and your ego and your self-consciousness, all of that, out the door. So when we get to that space, and I feel like my yoga helped me so much through both of those experiences of birth, and of death, and then I found these quotes about how birth is painful and delightful and death is painful and delightful, and there really were moments of delight where we were in there and we were reminiscing, oh my god, we should play Elvis Presley for dad. Like, that was his favorite. Tom Jones, oh my god, we had all these like laughs about our memories in these moments of big change, of energy shifting, and that was somebody too. So whether you've been through those or it's completely different, it might be the example of the artist. It might be, you know, an example of something that you were working on so much that you were so deep into it that you lost a sense of time, lost a sense of self and of space. Everything became you couldn't tell whether you ate meals during that time. Right? We've all hit little moments of that samadhi, of that bliss, of that ecstatic moment without having to do a lot of effort. The effort came from everything that came before it, from the sensory withdrawal, clearing your space, from being able to bring all of your attention one place, concentration, to where there, that attention became so focused that it became effortless, meditation, to samadhi, that pure consciousness. Okay, So there are moments like those that really give you that little Touch that we can try to reach for. Again, it's not a forced reaching. We have to do all this other work to meet a little bit of samadhi. Right? It's the icing on the top. Okay. I'm going to read one more quote for you guys and then I'm going to get you guys totally settled in for um, Yoga Nidra. Okay. So it says, in absorption or samadhi, The witness or meditator is fully absorbed into the moment. There is an ecstatic experience of what I call the living moment. Our perspective is an unfolding, flowing continuum that is happening all by itself. So that's kind of cool. We don't have to do a lot of effort in that moment. We just have to live in it. We've done all the other work. We've done the clearing. We've taken out the behaviors that we don't like. We're exercised our bodies so that we can be able to sit in meditation comfortably. We can use our breath to our capacity. And then we can learn to go inward so that we don't have anything else holding us back from finding that true inner peace inside, that true inner flow of energy that's already inside of you. And that's pretty cool. Okay. any questions? So we're going to get you super, super comfortable. And I haven't timed how fast I'm reading uh, the yoga nidra strip. But it's a, it's an actual script. And there's um, different kind of schools of thought for yoga nidra. Um, the one that I've put together I've kind of cobbled from different places. But it kind of follows um, the koshas, which are kind of our, our layers, right, Kind of the physical layer body coming into your breath body, coming into your energy body, into your spiritual body. So I'm going to walk you through all those layers. As we come into it, you might drift off into sleep. You might hover just below sleep, or just below consciousness, kind of like in that, like, my body is super, super relaxed, but I can still kind of hear words, and you might drift in and out of that, okay? There's no right or wrong way to do this. Um, Anybody snores? I might just, you know, walk near you so that you hear a little bit more in your subconscious and it might just bring you a little bit out of that kind of snoring deep stage. But if you snore, that's totally fine as well, okay? We have all the props that you could want or need. Um, So what I would recommend is have something that allows a little bit of lift under the knees, whether you want um, to roll up the blanket for more of a subtle lift, right? Just a little bend of the knees. Maybe your bolster behind you if you want a little lift under, or if you prefer, you can come all the way down to the floor with your back. Right, A little lift of the knees. Your blocks, maybe you want them underneath the hands, right, if you want a little lift there. And if this If our natural lighting is too bright and you prefer a cover, you might grab a towel. Cover your eyes, right? Sensory withdrawal, pratyahara. And while I am recording um, the session for my podcast, I won't be able to put the yoga nidra part up because... This is, somebody else has written these words and I don't feel right stealing. So copyright issues, all that. Um, But if you want to get on my email list later, I can point you to some, there's some really great just kind of YouTube recordings and other recordings of yoga nidra that are out there. So make sure that you're super comfortable here. Let your feet flop open. Let your shoulders relax into the floor. Let go of any holding through your fingers and your hands. Soften the eyes, let the back of the head get heavy. Using your hands for support, we'll gently start to press up to a comfortable seat. Bring your palms together at heart center. And let's seal our practice today with a single om. Let's take a full breath in, sigh it out, inhale the chant. Namaste. How does everybody feel relaxed? Anybody fall asleep? Little bits of time drifting in and out? Yeah. So the yoga nidra that we did was only about 17 minutes. They say sometimes 30 minutes of yoga nidra can feel like four hours of sleep. So if you need a power nap during the day, um, you can just YouTube yoga nidra and you can find quite a few examples of those. I use that for uh, my kids when they're not wanting to lie down or if I'm having a hard time. You're having one of those nights where your like, mind is racing and you have no way to calm your own brain down. Put a little bit of yoga nidra on. By the time they get to that right arm, I'm like... Oh. So, anyway. Thanks for listening to Finding Drishti podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about me or my teaching schedule in Austin, Texas, please visit FindingDrishti.com.